0: There's an anniversary coming up this year. Toby Ornstein said that probably in September there would oh, be great. an anniversary, right? What would it be? 50. five oh, right. Big, wow. big one. That's it. So I started taking from her when I was 12 or 13. So that was, you know, Columbia was young then. And yep. she had just burgeoning school. And so there were friendships as we were forming our creative identity, not just our identity (laughs) as young people. Those friendships have lasted these decades.
1: Hello, and welcome to Razzle Dazzle Radio. I'm here with my co-host, Judy Templeton. I'm Carolyn Kellman, and this all comes through the hands of HCC's Dragon Radio, so tune it in. Before we tape today, we had a conversation with our guest, Carol Graham Lehand, a darling person and a great actor, and also John Stoltenberg. I got it right, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hello, John. Hello, Carol. Hello, Judy. And we have a couple serious questions because John is a serious man, a good writer and editor for the DC Metro Theater Arts. And Carol, of course, is so welcomed by the young people in Maryland with Columbia Center for Theatrical Arts and the youth, the YAA program at Strathmore. So my first question goes to John. What excites you about theater today?
2: Well, this is gonna sound strange, but I've got three things that I would like to mention. And, you know, I'm kind of a political person. I, theater and politics are kind of always adjacent for me. And one of them is kind of an offshoot of the Me Too movement, which is accountability for sexual predators in theater, especially leadership. There's been a bunch of that. And I think that's a good thing. I'm excited about that kind of reform that is happening within theater institutions. And also, I'm excited about the affirmation within the theater-making process of using intimacy choreographers so that there isn't interpersonal violation going on. Everything is rehearsed. I think that sense of trust that you need, that artists need when they're working together collaboratively, which has been ruptured in many cases that have been widely reported, I think that kind of trust now is a very good development. And the other thing that I'm very interested in is the impact of the Black Lives Matter movement, and now in terms of representation, not just about race and ethnicity, but it is extended more broadly in theaters locally to be more encompassing of more people's lives and more kinds of stories. And the third one isn't really movement instigated exactly, but it has to do with the way the theater historically has been kind of the arbiter and enforcer of ideas about gender polarity and what's a real man and what's a real woman. I mean, going back, People are typecast, people have careers that founder because they don't match the gender stereotype that they're supposed to. It's a terrible, terrible tragedy, actually. And the theater is the conduit for those kinds of templates and stereotypes to many audiences. It also goes through film, of course. And what's really exciting to me is that we're starting to see on stage the erosion of that binary fixation. We are starting to see casting that's very unconventional and very non-traditional, not just about race and ethnicity, but also gender and sexuality. And I think that is the most exciting thing about this particular era in American theater. And when I go to theater and I notice that it's happening, you can see I'm exulting about it in, in the way I write about the thing I'm seeing. Most recently about the Oklahoma production, by the way, where they cast Ado Annie and Will Parker as trans actors. And it had a very interesting effect on, now it's still a man playing a man and a woman's playing a woman. But it had a very interesting change in the dynamics of the entire relationship between those two characters throughout most notably in that song, which is so problematic, I'm just a girl who can't say no. I mean, that—that that, I'm sorry, that just doesn't survive today. But they, made, they made it work. The actress, her, uh, she goes by one name, Sis, made it work. Uh, anyway, that was so thrilling to me. I could have just gone home and re- written my review right then and there.
1: Carol has had a little bit of an innovative touch. When she produced the show, called Big River for a high school. Oh. Mm. Share, share a little bit about that experience. <laughs> and well, that's the excitement.
0: Um, it wouldn't fly now. <laughs> but what happened was I was teaching in a private school, at Glenelg Country School, and the population was very small to begin with. I think there might have been like 40 kids in each of the high school classes. And then the population of those auditioning is even smaller. So you cast from what's available right there. And with Big River, I had even thought about Big River because in a freshman year, these two boys sang Worlds Apart from Big River, and it was gorgeous. And the African-American young man sang Jim, and the Caucasian boy sang the huck part. When they got to be seniors, I thought, ah, oh, let's do this. And I just saw it on at the Today Show uh, outside, you know, when they do the little summer teasers, I saw them do the uh, Deaf West version of Big mm-hmm. River. That was that long ago, whatever it was, 2003 or four. And I thought, oh my gosh, we're breaking boundaries here. We're continuing to tell stories, but from different populations. It's like what you're talking about, John, you know, that they were doing it. Deaf West was doing it. And I thought when it got down to these auditions, I thought I don't precast, but I knew I can cover the show based on having this talent that I knew that was coming out. And when they auditioned, the voices had shifted. So this by the senior year who I was imagining would be a shoe-in Huck and a shoe-in Jim, they actually sang the other parts better. But I wasn't color coding because when it came down to it, the storytelling was better from each of them. And I was like, you know what? I had them write down at the audition, had them write down, what would you prefer? What role? Because they kept going back and forth you know, in the audition. Now read for Jim, now read for Huck. What am I doing? Do that again. You write down when they left write down which role you'd like to do. And the African-American young man wrote Huck. And <laughs> the Caucasian young man wrote Jim. And that's the way we cast it. Now, fast forward to Rogers and Hammerstein getting the cease and desist and, <laughs> and it becoming news because there was a C-SPAN show where the boys were going to sing a song from the show. And Rogers and Hammerstein pulled the rights, wouldn't give the rights for that performance. So they were withholding a contract based on race, which is, I mean, the whole thing is mind-boggling. And now with the conversations that we have today, it just seems like that was so wrong. At the time, I was an educator dealing with, you know, whomever walked in the door, <laughs> you know, cash the show from that. And now we've just rethinking and I guess part of the thing that I rethink is that which is why I've written some shows just write the show I want to direct <laughs> or write the show I want to see or that will fit the kit. anyway that was long-winded I'm sorry
3: <laughs> oh, no it was all pertinent to what we're discussing and John and Carol both you're really warm in the cockles of my social justice heart as we watch you know theater now Become and has to become part of the present time. I feel like we were all Rip Van Winkle. We all went to sleep for two years. And despite that, you know, the world was changing in around us. So now that we're back. You know, in biz, in the arts, the arts have to catch up too. And and, mm-hmm. and I I love you know taking some of these very dated shows, and I mean, what could be more dated than Oklahoma? Let's face it, you know. I mean, and putting them in the modern times, and I think that it speaks to what we have to do when we're in theater and in the performing arts too. And so I love all your points that you said, John. And also at Howard Community College, we do have intimacy choreographer jen males and yes she has done the full training and has been working in that as well so and i personally work because i have been a social worker and been in the arts i would love to train and something like that too so It's here. You can either face it head on or not, but it's all here for sure. (laughs) So, So, John, okay, I was reading your bio and the words magic time, kind of, and Carolyn knew I was going to pick up on that. So what do you mean when you're writing and doing your reviews? What is your magic time?
2: Well, I named that column, which, by the way, began as a blog when I was in a public relations and corporate communications course of studies at Georgetown. And the assignment was to start a blog. And I just started blogging about my theater going. And I called it magic time because for years, that was the moment between before the house lights go down and the stage lights come up, there's that moment of anticipation. There's that expectation Mm. point when you know you're about to enter into another world. You've come through the lobby, you've got your ticket checked, whatever. And That's what I call magic time. And I always used to tell my friend when we were sitting together at that moment, you know, the curtain rise moment, even if there's not a curtain, it's magic time. Mm. And it's always been the case for me just before a show starts, that sense of what's coming next. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm getting
3: those butterflies, that fight or flight feeling, just thinking about it right now as you're speaking, (laughs) for sure. Well, you know, I think a lot of the Broadway shows now are doing something interesting. So they're doing that, everybody is out on the stage and just being themselves and just sort of walking around and talk, chitty chatting, doing warm ups and things like that. And mm-hmm. then they do that, the big, okay, lights and it changes. And then they go into the thing. I've seen this on a couple shows now. So I think it's interesting. So that even gives a different sense of the magic time, because that's really when the actors transform from themselves to their roles. So anyway, have any of you seen that, how they're doing that now?
0: Years ago, I feel like Godspell might have done that. Um, we, years
3: ago, we did some more of that. Now it's sort of coming back, I think. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, exactly. So Carol, I guess you had no choice but to be in the theater arts in a way, right? Don't come from (laughs) a a long line of theatrical people. So tell us a little about your background, your colorful background.
0: (laughs) So I have six brothers and sisters. Five of them graduated. (laughs) They graduated with theater degrees from Catholic University. Okay, Uh, but I didn't like being prescribed. So I said that I'd go to Catholic university, but I wanted to be undecided. And my father said, I don't care if you're in theater or not, but just land somewhere. So you try out some department and get to know the people specifically in that department. And when it got down to it, it was kind of like checking a box. And I was like, all right, fine. I'll just be in in theater. And I, you know, two years into that, I then went on tour with the national players and then came back to finish the degree. And. Along the way I was touring, I started teaching. We would do shows. We were doing The Tempest and Charlie's Aunt, and we would do workshops with high school students after the shows. Sometimes we were in regional theaters, but I loved when we were with the high school students. And when I came back, I decided I would get a certificate in education as well and pursue that. And so I've been teaching ever since. And, you know, pursuing other things on stage and whatnot, because when you're a teacher, actually, you have to do it all.
3: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you are definitely teaching everywhere. And Mm -hmm. so your work with the Columbia School of Theatrical Arts, are you still working with them?
0: No, not regularly. There's an anniversary coming up this year. Toby Ornstein said that probably in September, there would be an anniversary, right? What would it be? 50. 50. 55-0, 550, right? Big. Wow. big one. That's it. So I started taking from her, when I was 12 or 13, so that was you know Columbia was young then. and yep. she had just burgeoning school. And so there were friendships as we were forming our creative identity, not just our identity as young people. Those friendships have lasted these decades. I think we were talking about it last night. (laughs) Yeah, we were talking about it last night because one of the first, Bob Carney, one of the first managers at Toby's Dinner Theater had like an emergency triple bypass surgery. And because this is like the fifth time he has kind of skirted death, it was like a fluke that he went in and they said, you need to go right to the hospital. Because of this, there's an awakeness like with COVID and moments like that of just awareness about like we don't have forever and how are we using this time? And so we are having these occasions of getting together, kind of just honoring each other. And I just making a case for the idea that in theater and with creativity, there are bonds, there are packs that are made because it's part of like, Who you are?
3: (laughs) We talk about that on this show all the time. You know the power of the arts, and we talked about it over the last two and a half years of how we made it through was just still having the arts as our connector. There, there's no doubt about it for sure. Yeah, Yeah. and so John, I know that in your background there is the word seminary that you have, (laughs) and so how have you found your way from there to here?
2: (laughs) Well. Gosh, we don't have long here to tell the story, but
3: we have long enough.
2: (laughs) I mean, I got there because I had a fellowship to go there and it was a way to stay out of Vietnam. Okay.
3: Oh, okay. Wow. We're really dating back. I remember. We go
2: back. (laughs) Yes. But I was always interested in theater and I used to act in plays there and I wrote some chancel dramas and things like that. Uh, And then I went on to Columbia School of the Arts to get a, a, a theater degree after that. But I'm not. A religious person, but I'm very religion literate and I'm extremely alert to the ways in which there really isn't a good secular ethical tradition. And uh-huh. that for most people, the best way they know of how to be them best their best self ethically derives from religious traditions. And I'm not gonna fault that. I mean, if in a like in our very partisan polarized country right now, if what it means to love your neighbor as yourself for instance could be you know amplified that would be good and if you want to source a religious text for that go ahead you know so anyway that's where kind of religion fits into my life right now and obviously i it's in play when i'm watching theater i we were talking before the show about the musical ad 16 which is about mary magdalene and jesus when they're 16 year olds and they meet and she's she's smitten with him And I saw it through a lens that had to do with my seminary background. I was watching the way the the character of Jesus was being treated, and it was was tracking in a really original way. So anyway, I don't know if I've answered your question, but it's in my background, and it comes out now and then.
3: I think just a follow-up to what you're saying, too. I mean, so it's a cliche word, certainly, but I mean, I hear spiritual in there somewhere too you know and so I think that's a safer word for a lot of people right now too as they try to connect to their own spirit for you know guidance and believing in something greater than ourselves too and Carolyn raved about that play and I said earlier I wished I could have seen it so I think there's definitely a connection you did answer the question I do think there's a connection. <laughs> how you found your way from there to here. <laughs> yeah, I loved eighty sixteen. I loved what it was doing. I would
0: love mm-hmm. to see it go through more writing process. I don't know if that was like, if I went back to see it again, I would have taken notes. <laughs> oh, this is what oh. I'm having trouble with. Or this is the moment. But when I would have trouble with something, it wasn't like from a theological point of view, because I was taking on the conceit that You know, let's just imagine, let's play a party game and imagine Jesus is 16 years old and Mary Magdalene lives next door and what happens. And I love that deepening image. And I think theater can do that incredibly well. But the music was compelling. I thought it was the storytelling was an awakening of sorts.
2: It really was a morality musical. If you can think of a morality play set to music. I mean, it, it is a very contemporary morality musical nothing old school about it.
3: Well, I mean, let's face it, we can go back to Jesus Christ Superstar, or we can go back to God's Bell, as you mentioned earlier, too. Mm-hmm. There's, It's been told in many different ways. And there's even a new, well, I don't know how new it is, but there's a book out by an author named Sue Monk Kidd, and it is about Jesus and his girlfriend. So there was great controversy about that book, too. I have to look up the name, but anyway. So this is all, you know, it's all coming. And like you said earlier, John, too, I mean, we're changing the characters and we're putting them in modern times. And, you know, theater's supposed to be doing that. Theater's supposed to speak it. (laughs) We're at, that's where we're at. So Carol, what are you presently doing now? So I heard a little rumor about a show that's a little edgy that you might be doing.
0: This summer, I'll be teaching with Young Artists of America and we'll be there for two weeks living there. That's residing in the dorms, but two weeks putting together, (gasps) wait for it, Sweeney Todd. So Sweeney with these kids who are exceptional will be so fun. My master's in comparative literature was taking the lyrics of Stephen Sondheim and I wrote about the dialectical lyrics in certain of mm. those musicals. This is not necessarily one of those musicals that is dialectical, but I've never worked on it myself. So I'm really looking forward to touching this one.
3: Well, I suspect that you'd have to have a pretty talented cast to, to make that show happen after yeah. all. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> definitely. I want to jump in. I get a change of subject here. The Tonys are coming up. Ooh. I had a chance. Can you read my... Uh... Hello, gorgeous. Yes, yeah. we can read it. Oh, lines of Funny Girl. And it hasn't been reviewed, but I think the critics are going to really give it a hard time, personally. Oh, gosh, um, me too.
3: You've seen this, Carolyn? Did you yeah, see I it? That's okay, you
1: okay, that's my next play to see, so, yeah. And I also saw MJ, Bye. and I know you saw that, and I love the dancing. I thought it was wonderful, so. Oh, I loved it, too. Carol, have you seen Rocky over at Toby's yet? I
0: have not.
1: It's Toby 20. is so... Thrilled with that.
0: I did see it on Broadway because it had some, uh, some locals.
1: Carl, right. And uh, Margot Seibert, right.
0: Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Andy Carl right. and Margot Seibert. And they both worked at Toby's. And I brought some Glenel Country School when I was there. I brought them up to see it. And it was phenomenal what they did with spectacle. Yeah. But sometimes I was distracted by the spectacle
1: and missing some story. Well that's the difference with Toby's. And, exactly. You know, i a couple of shows and they, you know, they were okay recently, but this one has heart. And I know Toby would tell you that heart is probably the essence of, of the musical. So mm-hmm.
3: yeah. What else
1: are we gonna yeah. see, Judy, coming up?
3: What else are we going to see? Here in Columbia, you can come just locally to HCC, and Rep Stage has opened fully and is doing the Glass Menagerie, a personal favorite of mine, and it is going to run April 28th to May 15th. And I'm just going to say, to follow up, John, on what you were speaking about, the parts have been cast a little differently. So I'm just going to give you, you Mm -hmm. know, just a... Enough. a little cliffhanger here, so that you'll even be tempted more. Joseph Reich is a brilliant director, and this promises to be quite a show. So see if you can get it on your schedule. It's here for two full weeks, and yeah, we would love you to come and see it. Also, to follow up on what I said earlier, the book that is written about Jesus and his girlfriend is called The Book of Longings, and it's by an author named Sumon Kidd just so we can justify that there's a lot of this out here right now. So what I want to know, John, what's your next plan? What are you going to be moving toward or just staying where you are? What are you thinking about? You are a move forward guy, I can tell.
2: Well, in terms of DC Metro Theater Arts, where I'm executive editor, I mean, the challenge has been to survive the loss of the founder and then Mm. COVID. And Keeping on our feet and keeping afloat has taken a lot of energy and we're very small. It's a shoestring operation, but I feel very committed to that forum because the community needs it. It is a kind of service to the theater world that no other outlet can provide in the DMV area. I mean, there are a few other sites. But we cover not just the professional theaters, but also the community theaters. And when we can, the academic theaters, the university and college theaters, and also children's theater. Nobody yeah. reviews children's mm-hmm. theater. We do. We don't review if performers are under 18, but we're, we're looking at the children's theater performed by professionals. It just feels right to, mm-hmm. to have that parameter. But we want to grow, and we're on the way. We're We're making plans in the background for a new era of the site. But I encourage people to come to it. If you can't remember all the words, it's a lot of syllables. Just go to dcmta.com. You can subscribe to our daily newsletter there. It's free. You can opt out anytime. And it always gives you every morning the newest stuff on the website. So you can see at a glance what you haven't seen before and check it out
3: oh we definitely will everybody i mean i just love that everybody's just so joyful now coming back to theater after it was mm-hmm. null and void for 2 years so by the but, way we uh,
2: have a we have a correspondent our new york city editor deb miller mm-hmm. covers new york theater really really well mm-hmm. so for dmb folks it's a kind of like hmm should i go to the big apple for this and she'll let you know what you shouldn't miss Oh, um, that's
3: great. So <laughs> it's a <we>, helpline. <laughs> yeah, it
2: really is. And, and she's a wonderful critic and writer. And when she loves something, she just exults all over the <laughs> all over the screen.
3: That's a great service, truly. It really yeah, is.
2: It, she's wow. wonderful.
3: So, so Carol, We call
2: ourselves DC Metro, but we have this adjunct New York City.
3: Yeah. So yeah, of course. It's fabulous. Carol, what what about you? Looking ahead. What are you looking at? The YAA, the young artists saying, but right now
0: I'm doing books on tape. So that, that still so You're- fun for me <laughs> because it's like, like, maybe it's like a it's- painter because I go in the studio and I just play with characters and tell my story. And, and so nobody would need to see it if it were a painting, but actually then I just have to get it out to audible when, <laughs> so I've got a draft that's due today. So that's it. It
3: kind of verges side gig from theater. That is no small thing. I took a workshop about doing that kind of thing, and it's a lot of work and it's very hard to get into that business. So I applaud you, big. You're able to, of course, do that from home, though, right? And then, yes. So I mean, that's the beauty of being able to combine that. But yeah, you have the perfect voice for that. That's fantastic. (laughs) And Thank I also you. just want to uh, in speak into you. And I know that I shared this with you before the show, but you're a very famous dad and what a great director he was and that I had the honor to take a class in directing from him. And as I, I said, it was 9-11 came during that course and he brilliantly navigated the class on that horrific day. So you all corrected me. How many years ago was that now? Was it 22? <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, <laughs>
3: Okay, so Carolyn, I always like to leave with this question, favorite show, whether you were in it, directed it, or want to do it, what's your favorite show, John?
2: Well, I realized it was my favorite when I resaw saw it recently, it's come from away. I saw it several years ago at Ford's. I think I wept throughout the whole thing.
3: Oh, wow. And
2: I got a chance to see it last weekend and the same thing happened. And you know, I don't think I can explain why. Mm-hmm. It so touched me in such a deep place from the get-go, and it didn't let go. And talk about a morality musical. I mean, that is, that is just a grand example of what it means to depict people being good to one another. But yeah, I, and I just realized, okay, this is my favorite show. Well, and you do know again.
3: why it was because you had this whole visceral reaction in your body, even thinking about it. So yeah. that's mm. yeah. I mean, we yeah. felt it across the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When something runs
0: deep like that and touches your heart, it's hard to put your finger on. Sometimes hard to articulate why something is beautiful, yeah. but you know you can feel it. My, what about my you, husband's Kara? favorite too. That one definitely pulled. Sunday in the Park. There are oh. so many things about creativity Sweet. about maybe when I saw it touched me so specifically at that time that it was again, part of identity.
3: Yep. Oh, well, you know what? Wow, this time has gone by so quickly. And I am so honored and grateful to have you, John Stoltenberg, and you, Carolyn. And we could all probably sit here and talk for lots longer. (laughs) But thank you so much for joining us here at Razzle Dazzle. Carolyn, any last comments before we have to go?
1: No, go to the theater and go (laughs) online and read the reviews by John. And all the others. Yeah, go and get some tips too, for
3: sure. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Thank you so much. Again, we so appreciate the work that you all are doing. Keep doing it. And until next time, it's Razzle Dazzle Radio. Judy Templeton and Carolyn Calloway. Connect with us. We are Dragon Digital Radio.